Are you looking to extend your faith in God? You're in the right place. This is a biblical and practical approach to God's words. Welcome to Be the Gospel with your host, Anthony T. Jarena. Anthony, this is day 14, chapter 14 of Heal the Sick with Brother Osborne, and it's going to be a good one. Someone's scriptural teachings is the name of the chapter. What about afflictions? Many are, are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them, uh, delivers them out of them all. Because of teachers and preachers who misinterpret the scripture, making it applicable to sickness and disease, Christians often forfeited their covenant rights to physical healing. They have remained subservient to disease, conceding to the will of Satan rather than identifying with the will of God. And we know that because of his word, right? This verse does not say many are the sicknesses and physical disabilities of the righteous. It says many are the afflictions of the righteous. The word affliction used in this case in the original text has nothing to do with sickness uh, or physical disability. It means trials, hardships, persecutions, or temptations. It would be unreasonable to say that Christ has bore our sicknesses and taken our infirmities, that by his stripes we are healed, that he heals all who are, all our diseases and, and all who are, are sick, right? But also to say that there are many sicknesses which God ex- expects us to bear until such time arrives or circumstances develop when he wills to deliver us. See, those are conflicting views, and this is what he's pointing out. Hey, if we're looking at this, and here it says that God, has, he heals all. He heals all diseases. He, he, by his stripes you are healed. Then we can't say in the same breath, but, you know, many of the sicknesses that God, he gives you so that you have to bear them, right, until the time he decides to deliver you. That's a false teaching, and this is what we're going to get into. The message of substitution is that Christ bore our sins so that we don't we do not need to bear them, but be saved from them. In the same way, Christ bore our sicknesses so that we need not bear them, but be healed of them. Christ did not bear our trials, persecutions, hardships, or troubles, but he did bear our sins and sicknesses. He bore them so that we need not bear them. That is why he is our substitute. He took our place. What he has borne, uh, we are uh, forever set free from if we will only believe what he did for us. And this is why it's so important we go back and look at Isaiah 53 in its original context, in its original text, and read the entire chapter from from start to finish, and you'll see that what God does for sin, he also does for sickness, and that we can find the two there. So when it says that Jesus bore our sicknesses, our diseases, and it says he bore our iniquities, our our infirmities, our, our iniquities, our sins, then you can see that God is tying the two together. It wasn't man's idea. It wasn't my idea or anybody else's. This is something that God is pointing out from the beginning. And that's why I challenge you in past chapters, go back and look for any time it brings up healing, you'll, you'll find that it brings up forgiveness of sins as well. So God is the one bringing the connection there and it's for a good reason. But let's continue. Until this becomes personal, you will never benefit from it. The moment you believe that Christ bore your sins, you can be saved. The moment you believe that he bore your sicknesses, you can be healed. Others quote John uh, James 5, 13. Is any among you afflicted? Let the afflicted one pray. 
they have decided that their long-standing physical ability is an affliction. So they go through life praying instead of being healed. And this is so good, right? Because if we go to Mark chapter 16, verse 17, 18, it says believers lay hands on the sick. It doesn't say they pray, right? Now, can we pray? Yes, we can pray. We can pray the prayer of trust, but we'll get into that. The word affliction has the same meaning as it is used in the uh, verse mentioned above. It has no reference to sickness, disease, or physical disability. It has to do with hardships, sufferings, trials, and persecution. If you are being, if you are persecuted, James says, pray. He does not say call for the elders and ask them to pray for God to remove your troubles. But he does say that if you are sick, you may call for the elders to be, and be healed. If you are persecuted, God's word says God is able to make all grace abound towards you, and He give He gives more grace. Through your trials, you will gain great victory. So again, as James says, pray, you pray. Don't ask the elders to pray for you. One young man came for, to us for a prayer and he said, please pray for me. I have a bad temper. And besides this, I have one temptation after another. And so many troubles come my way. I wish you would just cast, the, cast out the whole thing. I replied, is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. So he responded back with scripture. And this is so important because a lot of times people think that prayer is the abracadabra, the magic words that makes everything go away. And a lot of times that's not what is needed. What is actually needed is people to sit down, have an honest conversation with God and let God prune them of all the junk and the mess that is leading to these things. Plain and simple. So praying is just having a conversation with God so that he can do this. Right? And so... Um, so, and, and it says, then I said, some things have to be cast out and, and some things have to be overcome. I'm not here to pray all your troubles away because through your trials and temptations, you can learn to be an overcomer. If you are sick, I will pray for you and Jesus will heal you. But if you are just having some problems, you pray. If you are merry, sing psalms. If you are sick, be healed. But if you are afflicted, pray. And so this is very important because we can see in the Old Testament, this is God's nature too. He left a a remnant in the promised land so that future generations could practice warfare, beating these nations so that they grow up victorious conquerors and that they have um, naturally built within themselves a warrior attitude and they could practice on these people in case they ever got attacked by another nation. So you can see that this is there, right? So God wants us to overcome. He sets us up to overcome. He doesn't set us up for failure. He sets us up to win, okay? That's why we go from victory to victory in Christ Jesus. What about God's chastisement? Another scripture that is often used to justify sickness is this. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens, he chastens and scourges every child whom he receives. If you, in, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with children. For what child is there whom the parent chastens not? But if you be without chastisement, who, whereof, are, um, whereof all are partakers, then are you, a ba- are you bastards and not legitimate children? This scripture does not say, whom the Lord loves he makes sick or smites with disease. It does not say God imparts sickness to or makes infirm every child whom he receives. That would be counterproductive. That's accusing God of child abuse. How many of you would break your child's leg 
to teach them a lesson and then heal them to show them how good you are. See, we're accusing God of, of doing something that he never does. Okay, so it's important that we look at what the word chasten or chastisement is, is how, and how it's used in Greek. And we can also see the same thing in, in Hebrew as well. Well, let's take it one step at a time. The word chasten comes from the Greek word, which means instruct, train, discipline, teach, or educate. Like a teacher instructs a pupil or like a parent teaches and trains a child. When a teacher instructs a student, various means of discipline and training may be employed in the education process, but never sickness. When parents train a child, there are many ways to correct and to guide it into, in the right way, the child into the right way. But no parent would impose a physical disease or affliction upon their child. However, theological tradition would have us believe that when God trains his children, he chastising, he's chastising is supposed to be cancer and tuberculosis and blindness and, and crippled limbs or some other form of infirmity. Instead of causing obedient and consecrated believers to rise in authority, demanding their re redemptive and covenant rights, the idea of sickness as chastising leaves this, this, the sick in uncertainty, wondering for what particular wrong they are being punished. So they think that they're in trouble with a bad God is the mindset that ends up setting into these people because he's like, what did I do? What, what was it, right? Instead of understanding that God is a good God, he's already provided through Jesus Christ the answer for, for his sickness, which is healing in his body, on his body, as it hung on the tree, right? That by his stripes, we are healed. And so when you begin to see this, then all this begins to fade away and you begin to see it for what it actually is. It's false propaganda. It's false teaching of the enemy because he knows if you don't fight him off, he can say whatever he wants and get you to believe whatever he wants you to believe. And you'll never target him because you're so focused on attacking God. Good parents never punish their child until first they clearly explain the reason for the punishment. How much more our Heavenly Father? Most people who believe their sickness to be God's chastisement have no idea why God is punishing them. I'm not speaking of those who are rebellious, disobedient, or contrary toward the, the Lord. I'm simply, I simply wish to encourage those who do believe, who are obedient to God's will, to no longer allow the devil, who is a deceiver, to condemn and, and lie to them. He wants to keep them sick and physically infirm, unfit to abound to every good work by telling them that their sickness is God's chastising rod. That God is correcting them for some mistake or errors or is perfecting some defect, defective thing in their lives. Satan will constantly condemn you for bringing to your mind every mistake. He will, he will do this to you. He will bring every mistake to your mind saying you deserve this sickness, right? And this is what he's pointing out here. He, so Satan will constantly condemn you by bringing to your mind every mistake you have ever made, offering his lying suggestion. This is why you're sick. That is why uh, you did not get healed. God is chastising you with his rod of sickness. There is no hope for you to try to be healed. Your, your adversary, the devil, therefore succeeds in causing you to blame God, the healer of sickness, for the very sickness Satan has put on you. Something else to go back and look at. Go to the first chapter of Job. Who put the sickness on Job? Was it God or was it Satan? Go back and look. Look what it says. It plainly says that it was Satan who put the sickness on Job. It wasn't God. See, because the enemy wants you to get to, get to a point where you're blaming God because then you're attacking your help. I heard a theologian say, 
that 90% of the Christians who are sick are sick because God is using sickness as a chastising rod to express his love for them and is molding their lives into his perfect will. And he said that Christians who are not brought under the chastising rod of sickness by God once in a while are bastards and not legitimate children. If such a preacher will be consistent, people will remember when they are sick or suffering never to resort to physical, uh, to medical treatment or to be prayed for to be healed. In doing so, in so doing, they may be endeavoring to hinder their loving father's will, who allegedly is seeking to bless them by the means of their sickness and so-called chastisement. Theological tradition is never uh, consistent in this matter. In one breath, they tell you that the sick to humbly and patiently submit to God's chastising rod of sickness. In the next breath, however, they are likely to advise them if they are not already have not already done so to fight against God's chastisement by placing themselves in the hands of the doctor they think best qualified to rid them of their father's correction. So this would mean rebellion instead of submission. If you believe that sickness or infirmity is God's chastisement for some wrongdoing, you should make no attempt either medical means or by prayer to get rid of the sickness or infirmity. You should endeavor to find out what your wrongdoing consists of, and if successful, you should concentrate on right, uh, righting the wrong, then having it right, right, um, having righted it, you should leave it to our, your Heavenly Father, not a doctor, to discontinue this chastisement. Even if it were true, the idea of sickness as God's chastisement, if consistently and reasonably followed to its logical conclusion, requires divine healing instead of medical treatment after all. The loving Heavenly Father who said, who is said to use sickness as a chastising rod would surely remove his rod of chastising sickness when he is, his purpose had been to accomplish. When, when his purpose had been accomplished. Sorry. So when we look at this, we can see that people who say, well, you know, God's teaching you something by this sickness and he's using it to correct, excuse me, correct you. What they're really saying is blasphemy because they're, they're equating that sickness is the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the one who teaches you all things in the New Testament, right? He's the one who, who, who guides you and he corrects you and he leads you in the path of everlasting. So they're saying that sickness is the teacher to get you to right wrongs. But we know from scripture that that's the Holy Spirit's job because he's the one who rebukes and uh, reproves you from sin. See, see what I'm saying? So when we go to, to John chapter 16, we can see what it says about the Holy Spirit in his, his three, dis, uh, three points that, that Jesus gave to re, for uh, righteousness, sin, and judgment, right? So when he says sin, it's to, repu- to rebuke the world of sin. So when we go back and look at that, uh, that word, it's used in another place in the New Testament, and it actually just means to rebuke. That's it, right? So it's transitive reprove, but it just means to rebuke. So it's the Holy Spirit who brings conviction. It's the Holy Spirit who's saying you're going down the wrong path. So to say that sickness is teaching you a lesson is to say that sickness is the Holy Spirit. And that is utter blasphemy because there's no sickness associated with the Spirit of God, the Spirit of holiness anywhere in Scripture. Then that would mean that Jesus would walk in around sick 
with pus and, and all kinds of stuff around him and, and was deformed and he was losing fingers because of leprosy because he was taking all the sickness upon him. It's junk. It's a lie. You see how logical reasoning completely defeats what the enemy wants you to believe. What about suffering? Another scripture which is so often used is 1 Peter 5.10. But the God of all grace who has called us to his eternal glory by, Jesus, by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a little while, make you perfect, established, strengthen, and settle you. This does not say after you have been sick and have suffered with disease for a while, God will make you perfect and stable. However, it does say after you have suffered a little while. It is, is it possible to suffer any other way than being sick or, or disease? Is the second book of Corinthians, Paul enumerates his hardships, reproaches, and necessities, and persecutions, and distresses, and stripes, and imprisonments, and, and tumults, um, tumults, labors, watching, fasting, dishonor, evil report? He writes, as known, yet well known. As dying, behold, we live. As chastised and not killed, in stripes above measure and in prisons more frequent, in death oft of the Jews five times received I forty uh, stripes save one. So 39 uh, stripes, but five times. So five times 39. So his back was completely scarred. Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I was I suffered shipwreck at night and in, in a day in the deep. So he was out in, in the ocean or the sea. For an entire day, an entire night. These were Paul's sufferings for Christ's sake. And it is much is such sufferings as these to which Peter refers in this verse. As the context shows. No one has the right to in include sickness or disease here. It was because he had endured such sufferings for Christ's sake. That Paul could say henceforth there is laid upon me a crown of righteousness. You will never receive a crown of righteousness for having been sick. If a sickness, a sick person believed that, they would not call in a doctor to cure the sickness, nor ask God to heal it. It is said that of the apostles that after they had been beaten because they had, been, they had preached the gospel and healed the sick in the name of Jesus, they departed rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for his name, Jesus' name. If you believe you're suffering for your Lord, you should not try to alleviate the pain, but should bear it gracefully and even rejoice that you have been counted worthy also. The Ministry of Suffering, Dr. Charles S. Price wrote, I want you to understand that the healing of your body, not merely the bodies of the people that were suffering when Jesus was on the earth, but your bodily suffering today was included in the great redemptive work um, co um, consummated by Jesus on your behalf. I believe that in order to clear up the question that sometimes arises in the mind because of modern teaching, I have to point out one great error over which many sincere people stumble, an error received by tradition. Have you not heard people talk about the ministry of suffering? Of course you have. There is such thing as a ministry of suffering, but it certainly does not mean that it is a ministry of sickness. There is the matter of tribulation also, Neither does that refer to sickness. We are told that if we suffer with Christ, we shall also reign with him. And that, and that does not say or mean that if we be sick or infirm with Christ, then we shall also reign with him. Because Jesus was never sick. The devil could not touch him. He went about doing good and healing all who were pressed to the devil. Right? Acts 10.38 when the teachers who deny divine healing attempt to prove their argument 
that it is God's will for some to be sick, they immediately take the scriptures regarding the ministry of suffering and make them applicable to sickness. The Bible does not do that. Always remember that when Jesus spoke of sin and sickness, he spoke of them as evils which he came to deliver us from. Go and look. Look at at Luke chapter 4. Look what it, it says. Look at, you know, um, 1 John 3, 8. Look what it says. Jesus did not speak of suffering in this manner. Has it occurred to you that Christ bore our sins and sicknesses, but did not bear our sufferings? He told his disciples that were that they would have to bear their cross and that it did not mean that it was to be a cross of sickness. In fact, he doesn't he never even says it's a cross of sickness, right? He he very clearly taught that we should reign ourselves, we should resign, sorry, resign ourselves to the carrying of our burden, to the the weight of our cross and sometimes even to a load of suffering, but never did he tell his disciples or or us that we should resign ourselves to sickness and to disease. On the contrary, he fought it. He cast it out. Everywhere he went, the sick were healed by him. John J. Scurvy says, Peter has much to say about his, this suffering in his first epistle, in which he was seeking to comfort the believers who are passing through a fiery trial. If you read such, the, such passages as these, 1 Peter 1, 3-7, Chapter 3, 13 through 14, chapter 4, 1, and verses 12 through 19. And there are many others like them in the New Testament. You will see that suffering in its scriptural sense has nothing to do with sickness. As to suffer with Christ in the sense of being sick, that is unreasonable. Christ was never sick except that his redemptive stripes made him sick. And he voluntarily took these stripes in order that we might not be sick. Peter, who speaks so much about Christ's suffering says, by whose stripes you were healed. Plain and simple. Since Christ as our substitute took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses to the extent that anyone who has been sick, it is to that same extent the one who, the, the one has not realized the physical benefits of Christ's redemptive work. What about Paul's thorn? The scriptures tell us that Paul's thorn in the flesh had been extremely misinterpreted you will find our detailed answer to some widely taught traditions concerning Paul's thorn in chapter 37 of this book. So we'll get there on day 37. Tradition binds, truth liberates. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. All of these and many other unscriptural teachings tend to hold sick people in bondage. They are captives. What did Jesus come to do? To set the captives free. Free from the traditions, free from the bondage, free from... The, the religious uh, traditions of the day and back to God, back to relationship with God. That's why he reconciles us back to him. And this is what's so important because in God, there's no sickness, plain and simple. When the people are given the facts that Christ bore our sins and disease in our stead, it is then that the will of God in the matter of healing for the sick is revealed. And the sick can exercise trust to be made whole. God wants to heal all who are sick just the same as he wants to save all who are sinful. Theological traditions say be fruitful in your sickness, or be, sorry, be faithful in your sickness, be patient, keep waiting on God and he will heal you in his own good time. But Jesus never said that. He said salvation is now. Today is the day of salvation. 
I, 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 sometimes I just don't get this. I, I understand. I was taught this. I, I believed it for a while, but when I've gone back to scripture and I've studied this out, I, I don't see it anymore. It's not there. It blatantly goes against what God's word says. And this is what's wrong with the traditions of men. That they go blatantly go against what God's word says. But the fact is, you're not waiting for God to heal you. God is waiting on you to accept healing. He has already provided for you. The Lord would have saved you long before he did, but he had to wait until you believed on his son, Jesus Christ, as Savior and accept his free gift of salvation. Remember, salvation means to be made whole. The Lord would heal you today. In fact, he would have healed you as soon as you became ill had you had given him the chance. But he must wait until you accept Jesus Christ as healer. Until you do that, your own healing is delayed. Believe God's word today. Be healed right now. Look up and say, thank you, Lord, for bearing my sickness and for setting me free. Thank you for your stripes by which I was healed. Thank you that I'm redeemed from sin and sickness. Thank you for deliverance, both of my spirit and for my body. I believe it and I praise you for it. Amen. It's that simple, saints. Don't make it complicated. Hold on to what is true. Hold on to God. Hold on to Him. Jesus is healer. God is healer. Hold on to Him in healing manifests. See, that's why we can go any place, anytime, anywhere around the world, and we can lay hands on the sick and see every single person healed. Do you understand that? This is our lifestyle for Be The Gospel, our team. This is what we see on a regular basis. Diabetes, um, Parkinson's, uh, tumors, cancers, uh, broken bones, um, all kinds of things. God just instantly healed sore muscles, all kinds of stuff. To go through a list would take a long time because we just see God just do it instantly, one after another, one after another, one after another, simply because we understand and we believe that what God says about himself is 100% true and correct, and it's his nature and his character that that he can't help but heal because that's who he is. He can't help but make people whole because that's who he is. And, and so in it, when we, we see God through that light, when we lay hands on the sick, the natural it naturally happens. Even if you yourself are sick, you can lay hands on yourself and be healed. My wife, she was in Bolivia one trip, and she was on a mission trip, and she got sick. She got altitude sickness. She had never been that high in the mountains before, and um, she was low in oxygen and stuff. She wasn't feeling well, and uh, so they called me and said, "Daisy's not feeling well." And I said, "Okay." So I tried calling her, and it was a very bad connection. It was cutting in and out. I said, oh, okay, great. So, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And he goes, aren't you one flesh? And I just thought, and I was like, oh my gosh, I can lay hands on myself because my wife and I are one flesh. So I grabbed my hand and I put my hand on myself and said, right now in Jesus' name, all sickness, all weakness, you go now. Amen. And then five minutes later, she calls me from one of the brother's phones and she says, Five minutes ago, it all left instantly. And I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. And I, I explained to her, five minutes ago, God gave me the idea of laying hands on myself and praying. And as I did so, she was healed. See, there's so many things that God wants to do in us and through us. He wants you to be healed more than you want to be healed. He wants to heal the people around you more than you want to see them healed. This is his nature. This is who he is.
That's why I tell you, he's more invested in people's healing than you are. Why? Because he gave his, his only son. He gave his body. He's the one who died on the cross. He's the one who made the sacrifice. He's the one who counted it all joy looking towards the cross because he knew what it would produce all around the world. And so this is what God wants for you today is for you to be free from all the traditions of men, from all the lies and in, in the, the deception of the enemy and that your eyes would be open and that you would see God for who he is and believe in him and trust in him and see what he does. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. So I'm going to pray for you. So right now, just go ahead and lay your hand on yourself. Right now, in Jesus' name, you be healed. You be whole. All sickness, all disease, any assignment of the enemy coming against you. Right now, we break its power. You go 100%. And I thank you, Father, for complete wholeness in Jesus' name. And I also want to remind you, if you, if you feel afflicted, you're going through a hardship, you're going through a hard time, seek God. Go to Him in prayer. Have a conversation with Him, but then stop and listen to what He has to say in, in response. Remember, prayer, communication with God goes two ways. A conversation goes two ways. If you're the one doing all the talking, then you just walk away. You're being the bad friend in the conversation. You need to sit and say, okay, God, what do you want to tell me? What do you want to say right now? I've had this happen. I was I was in Italy, and I was just thinking of what was going to do, what we were going to do for Be the Gospel as we were traveling around Europe. And there were some things weighing on me. And I was like, God, I have all these questions. And I was pacing back through the house, and and all of a sudden, I saw the sunset. And it was so beautiful. It was so gorgeous. And I felt like God just put His hand on me, and I just felt His presence. I sensed His presence all over my body. And he goes, yes, son. You had questions for me? And I was just like, yeah, they're gone. They're gone. I, I, I have no more questions for you. And so I found that when we get into the presence of God, everything else just melts away. It's not important anymore. And so that's the thing. God naturally fixes those issues and those things. We make them a big deal, but God goes in and he... He's like, oh, this little thing, it's okay. I got it I got it taken care of. Don't worry about it. So that's the thing. Go to God in prayer. Seek Him while He may be found. And He's found because He's in you. And just, just talk to Him. Have a conversation with Him. Don't be afraid. Okay? God bless you. You have a wonderful day. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Be The Gospel with your host, Anthony Tijerina. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit BeTheGospel.com and on Facebook at BeTheGospelToday. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time on Be The Gospel.